Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to today's program. Boy, have we got a show for you. If you, uh, you know, if you've lost your spouse, if you're thinking of remarrying, if you if you're divorced or, you know, if you had a bad breakup and you're about to start another relationship, today is the show for you. We are talking about, uh, you know, merging families, blending families in today's day and age. A ton of that going on, right? I, uh, myself, was raised in a family. We never merged. My parents divorced, but they never remarried. My mom never remarried. So I'm thinking. Did your dad? No, my dad did. But they didn't oh. have kids. And so, you know, there wasn't a lot of blending. Hmm. Which uh, is, it can be a very, very difficult thing. So on today's show, we've got a wonderful guest coming up, actually two. Jeff and Tammy Hill are going to be joining us and talking about blending families. Also, a little bit later, Dr. Paul Jenkins will be with us. And, uh, you know, today we're talking families. Family? It's hard enough to raise your family. And then when we're blending them and now it's yours, mine, and ours, that kind of starts to... But, I mean, it's a... What is a family nowadays? That's exactly right. Well, and honestly, that's probably part of the key to this, right? Because mm-hmm. a family is just to know where you're loved and where you're cared for and where people have got your back. Exactly. And, and that. sometimes that's a totally different thing for one person than it is for another person. No, absolutely. Example, James. Yes. This morning was like, I just feel like we're a family. Here in the studio? Uh-huh. Oh. And I'm like, Wow. He's like, you're like my dad, and I think that's great. And I'm like, wow, I was almost moved, brought to tears, actually. And then he just said, so um, can I have some allowance? I need yeah. an allowance. I need 20 bucks for yeah, gas. Can, me 20 can I borrow bucks? 20 bucks? <laughs> yeah. That wasn't moving, though. That was neat. Yeah, <laughs> except for the fact that you didn't actually give me 20 bucks. Well, no. I In my family, you have to work to earn we it. work to earn our money. Oh, okay. So if today's show goes perfect, we don't miss anything, we oh. don't mess up anything, Sean, which, a.k.a. mom, <laughs> Sean's going to give you 20 bucks. Perfect. Out of his- Out of Matt's wallet. His slash her wallet. <laughs> Go to your purse, Sean, and get, get cute little James oh, some yes. money. This show is going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I can already tell. Yeah. I can already tell. So before we move on, we want to talk about, uh, and, and we got to get into some of the fun headlines. Headliners from the Matt Townsend Show, a summary of stories that you might have missed. Headline, Provo, Utah. Actually, no, this is, uh, oh, where was this? New York, Buffalo. Okay, I went to a wedding last night. Oh, you did? Uh, oh, I went to a, a reception. Okay. Beautiful Total contrast to this story. Really? Go. You sure? Yeah. How many people were there? Probably 200. Okay, that's how many people were at this wedding. Mm-hmm. Okay. But not the way you expect a wedding reception to police, go down. Last night, the police never showed up. Really? Never. Oh, it's not a wedding reception unless no. the police show up. Come not on. Not one fist was thrown. How about you get seven police agencies called to... <laughs> 
Seven agencies? Seven different like, police what, agencies. alcohol, tobacco, and firearms Exactly, yes. <laughs> that was some party. There was party. a fight that broke out at this wedding reception just after 11 p.m. Holy cow. As the wedding reception was ending and the guests were getting ready to go home. My gosh, about 200 people were attending and arriving <laughs> officers said he saw at least 100 people fighting. Wow. Yeah. These families. Now, was the bride, the the bride and groom place? were not among the people fighting. Oh, good. Yeah. So I think the marriage is still good. Yeah. Let's see if the families can get along. Well, no. the marriage, yeah. But apparently the families hate each other. Yeah, exactly. So Which that's is why we're talking problem. about. That's right. You know. Because you got to blend families, and that includes exes and extendeds. It and, does. I mean, right. when you're, bl- you're blending families by any oh, sort yeah. of marriage. That's right. No, that's right. Anyway, the bride was taken back to a patio. The husband stayed inside. He was trying to get the guests to leave. <laughs> and so there was one man who received stitches for head injury. Another was treated on the – others were treated on wow. the scene. There were no arrests made, though. Was this the Birdsall family? I don't know. <laughs> we don't have receptions in our family. Oh, we just have brawls. <laughs> we're court-ordered not to have receptions. Yeah, we can. And according to the state liquor authority, there will probably not be any charges uh, filed. Why is the liquor case. authority? They were one of the agencies that was there. <laughs> I think that was the reason there was the brawl. But they really don't know what the what caused the whole thing to start. Yeah. They're guessing maybe somebody was touched inappropriately or something. Yeah, because the police were called yeah. earlier in mm-hmm. the evening for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who knows? But yeah, seven different. <sighs> James, keep your family in check. What are you thinking? Never a dull moment in the Birdsall household. Do you ever uh, – here's the question though. Are they going to look back on that reception fondly? <laughs> yeah, no. Because <laughs> think of how many future fights that's going to create. Oh, no. Oh, who, yes. Don't you oh, tell don't me you, my mother's a problem. Uh-uh. Whose mother started the brawl? <laughs> exactly. The brawl of 2014. <laughs> okay. Now, to get to that point though, men and women have to meet, you know, you date, gotta, you gotta all date that stuff. Like yeah, James. But – so what do you look for in a man or a woman? Do you or, know what you know what the top qualities are that people are looking for nowadays? Well, I probably look at things. I look for different things than well, you're married. Like, yeah, the people. Hopefully, you, you're not a, looking. Not, not, I, I, I can't even see anymore. Marty, do we need? Yeah, Marty. <laughs> so there's ten. You have a top ten list of the top ten things people are looking for. I, I know. Well, what no, it, it's I have money. A, I have a top ten list for men and a okay. top ten list for women. Cool. Okay. So the ten. I'm things, sure they're the same. Well. Yeah, I'm sure they're exactly the same, right? No. Uh, This survey that uh, was uh, looked at, by the way, they said 48% of single women and for 38% of single men research a date on Facebook. 48% do research. They creep on the other to Mm -hmm. see what's okay. And and 38% of singles say they would cancel a date because of something they found out about a person on the internet. Really? Yeah. But so the things wow. that they're looking for in uh, the top 10, 10 things which men judge women most. Okay. There we go. Number one or number 10, electronic devices that they carry. Yeah. Like if they're an Android or if they're – I guess. You're an Android. Yeah. Hmm. Number nine, the car they drive. Yeah. Number eight is shoes. Men judge women? Uh-huh. On their shoes? Yes. According to this survey. Why? I don't know. <laughs> uh, number seven, accent. Their speaking accent. Really? Mm-hmm. Like a Utah accent? Like if it's cool, you know, English accent. Mm-hmm. English accent from New Jersey. Number six, nails, hands. Mm-hmm. Like if they have hands. Right. Number five, having or not having a tattoo. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. Number four, their clothes. Wow. Number three, hair. Really? Yep. Number two. Are you sure men are judging? This sounds like this is women what, judging Just this. wait yeah. till we get to the women. 
Uh, number two is grammar. Hmm. And number one, teeth. Yeah, none of my, I, my none of mine were on that list. Right. <laughs> but by the way, the grammar thing, you could totally find that out on Facebook when you do the Facebook yes. check. But exactly. wouldn't you be judging for fun and interesting and full of life and charisma? Compatibility. Compatibility. I mean, teeth, of course. Yeah. Grammar, come on. You well, but teeth. Stuff. Hey, society today. Yeah. So I still wouldn't top look at the ten, shoes. Top 10 things on which women judge men most. Here we go. Number, By the way, where are these coming from? These are coming from uh, a survey as reported by USA Today. I'm not sure exactly where the okay. survey came from. Yeah. Uh, but, so it's legit. Sure. Oh, it's a survey by Market Tools, Inc. Okay. For the dating website, Match.com. Wow. Okay. Here you so go. So number 10, electronic devices. Same as the women. Uh-huh. Number nine, accent. Really? That okay. was number seven. That is so strange. For the men. Okay. Number eight, the car they drive. Looks like we're equally shallow. Mm-hmm. Number seven is shoes. Oh, number man. six, having or not having a tattoo. Number five, nails, hands. Wow. Number four is hair. Number three is clothes. Number two is grammar. And number one is teeth. Where is what? money? I don't know. Money is the number one thing we fight about. That's what we're going to get into tonight or today on the show is <laughs> tonight I'm talking about <laughs> Yeah, we're having a budget discussion tonight. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up, but it's going to be really intense. But we're going to be talking today on the show about blending families. And it's interesting. I bet I don't see us fighting about shoes. I don't either. I, I found that survey to be a little disconcerting. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Well, there you have it. So if you're out there on the look, if you're on the prowl, I would focus on teeth. I guess. And shoes and all that other good stuff. Get those, get those whiteners out. <laughs> but today's show, yeah, get your whiteners out. Today's show, we're going to be getting into it. So if you have been blending a family, if you're trying to put two families together, you know, making sure that, you know, yours, mine, and ours can all fit and work in a happy, loving, whole way, stick with us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dr. Jeff Hill will be joining us and his wife, Tammy. We're talking blended families up next right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about blending families, yours, mine, and ours. Now, again, in this world, you know, depending on what statistics you're quoting, 45 to 50% of marriages end in divorce. And um, if that's the case, then there's a pretty good chance you're going to remarry. But remarrying doesn't necessarily always mean you're going to have just automatic bliss. So... Uh, Today's show, we decided to bring in the pros. We have got some heavy hitters today. Jeff Hill is with us. Tammy Hill is with us. Uh, two experts um, in blending families and, maybe more importantly, also experts in the field of marriage and family and and family studies, mm-hmm. right? Let me just give you a quick bi- background on it because uh, it's pretty fascinating how they came together in a way. And I'll let them tell the whole story. But they've been married eight years. Both of their their first spouses had passed away, blended a family with 12 kids, brought in 12. Were they all in at the same time? Were there 12 kids in the home ever? 
No, the most we had, I think, was nine. eight or nine. 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 That would have been funny, though, <laughs> to get all 12 Hysterical. in Hysterical. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> and then, but here's what's really cool. Jeff um, is an associate professor of family life at Brigham Young University. He teaches home and family living in an undergraduate program and also um, is uh, teaches family and human development in the graduate program. He also has an MBA or works in the MBA program for Marriott School of Management. You also do a little organizational behavior. You're doing yeah. it all. Do a little bit of everything. You, I know why you do that because that puts you out on the road and then you can just get on the road for a while. I understand. A lot of people used to live in the circus that way, Jeff. Um, but also with this is his wonderful wife, Tammy. Tammy is a licensed uh, marriage family counselor and therapist and she's – She's on the front lines. So they made the joke, Jeff, that uh, Tammy kind of is saving people and you are – I study them. You, stu- I study, you study the them. research of people that Tammy saving. She actually helps people. So it's kind of a, a mix between really the research, the academic kind of theory side and the real practical side. Talk to us. Teach us about – okay, when you guys fell in love eight and a half whatever years ago. What were you thinking when you're like, we're, we're doing this. We're blending this. Were you ready? What no. was Because you're pros. <laughs> yeah. You, you guys know you what you're doing. You think that we were pros. Well, but, you think that we knew this stuff. Yeah. But, but it's a total – You can't really, can you? No, until you're in the thick of it, you don't know what you're doing. It's funny because in our business, we're always giving advice and teaching people, but – you guys had to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times we study the things that we have the most difficulty that's with true. ourselves. So then it really <laughs> – that's so true. I'm so sorry. You guys, that's so funny. So you have now eight kids. Uh, nine kids eventually did live in the home. Three, I guess, were married before or out of the home. Right. Um, and you, you're down to now three, but mm-hmm. maybe four because one's coming, coming back. back and another one's coming back. They always keep coming back. I know. Back. That's, that's, that's what they say, right? Mm-hmm. They never can really go away. What are you learning? Talk to us about uh, you know, how it all came to be. How would you fall in love? Where did you meet? Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was online. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in, uh, somewhat, uh, uh, somewhat that my wife uh, passed away from uh, cancer. She left me a single dad with eight children. Oh, wow. And I had thought, you know, I really loved her. I never thought that I'd fall in love again. But when I was doing laundry at two o'clock in the morning and a variety of things, I thought I might be more open. Yeah. Open. To that. <laughs> yeah. You need to open your head up a little bit because <laughs> you were young. How old were you? I was I was 50. Wow. Yeah. 50, well, and for both of you, there's this there's that tragedy, right? There's the right. loss of your others. Right. And then you have to mourn that. So that even seems to cause maybe some more problems in blending a family because there's pain in the loss mm-hmm. of, a, of a loved one. Anytime people are blending, there's a loss. Whether it's a divorce, whether mm-hmm. it's a death, whether it's just somebody that left. Huh? Right, right. So um, talk about uh, – so where did you meet? Well, that's an interesting The laundromat. <laughs> it's the laundromat, wasn't it? I well, would have been running if that yeah, had been the yeah. case. I um, – I wrote an article for a church magazine, The Ensign. Yeah. And um, and I read it, and I didn't know him at all. You didn't? I, no, I'd never heard of him. and But I read it one evening, and during the night, I was awakened several times with the impression that I should let The Ensign know what a profound article that had been, which wow. is not my style no. whatsoever. But I did write a little comment to the Ensign the next day after this feeling that was urgent. And later that day, I had a, 
an email from the author of the article. Which so they forwarded the it on. The editor, seven minutes after she sent it in, forwarded it to me. And I was at a point that I was just really discouraged. Yeah. Uh, it seems like life wasn't really nice. <laughs> yeah, it was beating you up. But then when I read her comment, why it was like a uh, like a weight had lifted off of my shoulder. And I, I wanted to say thanks to her. And so I sent Holy an email back cow. to her. It's quite a miracle. That's nice. I wasn't looking for anyone no. well, did, did you kind of tip the hand that you were single? Um, his article had been about how memorizing the proclamation had yeah. given him comfort and prepared him. Okay, so that's the proclamation right. on the family, right. which is a, is a it's this uh, it's a proclamation that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints put out, basically talking about the family and and the, and the church's beliefs about family and what should, what every child deserves, what every family deserves. Right? right. And she had mentioned in her comment as a widow with four children. Oh, wow. Um, that it had been very helpful to her. And so I emailed her and said, thank you. You were just what I needed today. You made my day, yeah. And uh, you know my story. You read it. What is your story? And there you go. And there we go. So the church ensign, the LDS Church magazine, is kind of like your, a dating Dating site. service. No. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to be known they as that. They do not want to be known as that. <laughs> but you know what? It it's kind of shows you, though, too um, – how sometimes maybe just the subtle promptings sure. matter, don't they? Just follow it. Mm-hmm. And then all that did was give you – you made his day. You, like you saved him because he was down. And you probably weren't thinking, well, i got to no. ask. You were just like, tell me your story, just reciprocating. Right. And then all of a sudden you were raising 12 kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> bada boom, bada bing. That's pretty neat though. Um, talk about some of the research in blended families. Are, I mean are they as doom and gloom as – because th- there's a ton of stress connected to it. But, it, I mean, a lot of people have some really – a lot of fear about blending mm-hmm. or remarrying after a loss. Mm-hmm. The research basically shows that that if you blend a family, it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. But the person who's in the circumstance that they need to blend, it's often the best step forward. So, for example, yeah. children in blended families don't do as well. As children in first intact families. Yeah. So, yeah. so that might be the ideal. Right. But if, you, if the ideal isn't real for you anymore. Right. But children in be- blended families do better on the average than children single. in single parent okay. families. So it is a best step forward usually statistically. That's right. Yeah. And about um, well over half of us in the United States at some time in our lives will be part of a blended family. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm ripe for it. My parents just didn't remarry. I kept bugging my mom. You never got me another daddy and, uh, <laughs> or a brother or a – but it's – you see it, I'm sure, a lot in your practice though, don't you, Tammy? Like two couple, a couple coming in and now we got a, his and mine and ours and what words are we using? And Right. And there's so much emotion um, involved and divided loyalties oh, and, yeah. and learning to talk with each other without having a lot of angst. Yeah. Involved. Well, and how do you? Because I can't just unattach my the ex. The ex isn't going to necessarily go away. Never. So that's down. That's compounding. Mm-hmm. And then the ex in laws still want to see the grandbabies. And right, it's a big deal. But are there any myths that we could just kind of address quickly about blended families? I think one myth is that if you love the person you're going to marry, everything will work out. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, blow that up right now. Because <laughs> I mean, eventually you got to live, right? I mean, it's right. not love doesn't just make everything better. And, you still got to talk. And my uh, 
my experience and the research shows that that it's not usually when there's a divorce in a blended family and and blended family marriages are more likely to end in divorce than first marriages. Yeah, okay. And it's not usually because of the parents. It's usually because uh, the, the kids the make kids life miserable. Mm-hmm. Make life miserable. Oh, that's that's interesting. Okay, we've got to get into that. I, when we come back, we're, we're going to keep dissecting this and, and talking about it. If you have a question about your family that you're trying to blend, give us a call. You'll never get a better shot than right now. People that have not only done it but have studied it and, and, and counsel around it, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-CHAT-BYU. We'd love to take your call and uh, answer your questions with the Hills. Again, um, we're trying to give you the tools, the ideas. So if you're out there, if you have family, friends, loved ones that are in a blended family, make sure you listen up. They may need your insight on this. We'll be right back on the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today in the house, Jeff and Tiffany Hill are with us. Tammy, it's Tammy, not Tiffany. Tammy is uh, Hill are with us. By the way, a gift really, I think, from heaven. Um, PhD in uh, family, hum- studies. family studies, human development as well mm-hmm. as organizational development. And Tammy's a, a, an LCSW, basically, right? A counselor. LMFT. LMFT, Licensed Marriage Family Therapist. Associate. By the way, the best ever. That's who I send everyone with a marriage problem to. Do you? <laughs> well, because the We're LMFT, well, you know, the systems approach. That's and right. Everybody kind of says they, every counselor says they do marriage therapy. But in my book, we you, you send them to the people that understand the system, marriage system, right. LMFT. I agree. Marriage and family systems. The Marriage Clinic of Utah, that's where I work. That's where you work? Yes. But more importantly, maybe to today's topic, you have all this expertise, but then uh, you blended families, two families, 12 children, both of your spouses passed away. Right. It's now been eight years. What did bliss? 21 grandkids? Is that what you said? That's right. Woo! It's working. <laughs> so um, talk about – just talk about some of the things you are learning through your own process here. What are you figuring out that the blended families out there need to learn and or hear? I, well, Tammy will have lots of ideas. Uh, a basic one is that things take time. Yeah. It's going to take a long time. The research shows that if you do a good job with a blended family after about four years, <laughs> it will feel like a first family. And if you stick with it, on the average, it takes about seven. So it's seven. important. So you just barely I feel like finished. we had a real landmark just last year. It feels like we – I don't know that we haven't – I don't knock on wood quit. Yeah. But I don't know if there's anything we haven't worked out yeah. together yet. But you need that, and you you're a, you're an interesting couple because you have tools. You know the research. It doesn't mean you do it, but like you're saying, it's hard work. This isn't something you could expect that just the love of a marriage, and then hey, the new dad can buy everyone a gift, and then we're in. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work that way, no, does it? No. What are you seeing, Tammy? As you as you're counseling, what are some of the things that the blended families have the hardest time dealing with? I think that. 
I see a lot of people struggling in knowing how to discipline. Yeah. Who disciplines which child? Yeah. And uh, a lot of struggle that way. Get into conflict within the couple because you didn't handle this right or you didn't do that the way I would have. And when they stand, I mean, they don't want to step on toes. Mm hmm. And they don't want to create the conflict. Don't quit touching me. My dad, my dad's going to get so right. mad at you. But, and then when a husband's gone all day or or the wife, but usually yeah. in my situation when I see couples, the husband's gone and his children are home and she, those stepmother's there to yeah. kind of handle everything. And she has her hands tied oh, yeah. a lot of times. Because we – and I guess is is what's appropriate? What should kind of – what is the model? Is there an ideal or do we just – Work it out, the, everyone. What most studies show and indicate, it's always better for the biological parent to do the discipline. Yeah. Let them be the bad cop. Right. But then all of a sudden, too, you, you still need to participate. You can't right. just sit there and say, go talk to your mother. You need, it sounds like you need to be involved. Mm -hmm. That's an example of why it's tough. Yeah. Why it's tough. Uh, my experience is that often if I try to discipline, why a stepchild will say, you're not my dad. Oh, yeah. You can't. And oh. and you just want to hit him. I know. <laughs> no, I'm not your dad. I'm so glad I'm not. <laughs> your dad is so lucky to be out of here. <laughs> here we go. Destroyed a family altogether. It's easy to come up with the things not to do, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it's also when you're in – especially as a researcher, it's easy to – yeah. Say the things you're supposed exactly. to do. Then, when you're in the real circumstance, I knew about divided loyalties. Yeah. I knew that anger expressed towards me isn't really isn't anger. You. Isn't about me. Yeah. I need to just be above all that. Uh -huh. But man, when no, it you happens, get sucked in, don't you? you? Just get you do get sucked in. It is tough. Does um, do you guys go home? Like, like this is crazy. A counselor and a researcher. You, your your conversations are either incredibly interesting or seriously boring. They're fascinating. Now. Are you? Are you? Like, do you sit there and do you diagnose your kids and talk about them and like, this is what I do. You give advice like, this is what I, I probably do. I have all do. kinds of diagnoses for his children. Yeah, isn't that amazing? You pull out the DSM. Yeah, page forty four. That's your entire family. It's real though, isn't it? And yet, you I would assume you probably talk more than the average couple. I, I think to me, that's how you got to get through the blended right. thing. Right. We have a lot. It's a fascinating marriage, to tell you the truth. Oh, I, I bet. just love it. Uh, we went up on the trail today for an hour and a half talking. We just Hold it. talk. What day is it? It's Thursday. Yes. Uh, I study flexible work arrangements. Yes, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Tammy's clients canceled and you're like, let's go for a walk. No wonder the marriage is working. That's right. But you're That's also right. eight years – this is neat too because you're eight years in. So there's always the seven-year itch, you know, the hard mm -hmm. supposed time of a marriage. But you, you've also kind of reached this, this, you know, this apex of we're getting it. We're mm -hmm. in and, the, and we're one family. So your, your kids – do you still call each other by your other name, like the, your your maiden name or your first married name? And well, that my children are Mulfords, yeah. and Jeff's children are Hills, but we are the Hill Mulford family. And she is mom to all of them, and, and I'm dad. He's dad, and that's dad the, their choice. That's yeah. not anything we've ever talk stressed. about that. Because do you do you? I guess that's a title almost you earn. Really, I believe so. You can't say you're calling me mom, right? Right. I, I asked the children in the beginning. I don't like the term stepmother. Yeah. I don't know any stepmother that's no. got a good. I mean, the word step, what is that? Yeah, that's exactly. Just, yeah. 
So I asked not to be called that. They are welcome to call me Tammy, Tammy if they'd like. Yeah. Um, and it took a little bit of time for them to start. We'd, we were known as the parents for a really long time. <laughs> the one we cannot talk about. <laughs> he who should not be named. But it has to be on their own timetable. Yeah. When they feel safe to call you mom. A really sweet experience I had with Seth, Jeff's youngest son, um, a few months or a few weeks prior to his maturation clinic. Oh, boy. We sat down together and had the... The talk. The talk. And, and she's good at that. Oh, she's I was really pay to see that. that. That would be really good. I love doing that. Yeah. I love it. And so Jeff and I were able to spend quite a bit of time with Seth and talked about all of that. And then I attended the maturation clinic with him, which in fifth grade, you can yeah. imagine how the boys are I've been, I just went. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot. <laughs> and they're all so embarrassed and obnoxious. And Seth's just sitting quietly by me. And we left the school, and he reached over, and he grabbed my hand. And this is the first time uh, he called me mom. Wow. And he said, Mom, I am so glad you talked to me a few weeks ago. This would have been horrible if you hadn't prepared me for that. How, how old is he? Right now, he's 17. But this was that was back this then. Was back was the then. Fifth grade. What a great moment. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment. A See, beautiful moment. That's what I think is neat about this is because you could store up these moments and and each one of them are, are you know, they're milestones. They're, mm. they're moments where they're becoming converted to you as a loving, caring being. It's true. We had an experience not that long ago where we were sitting around in the family room and the kids were all talking about the day they were born. And I was telling them about their births and, and I kept looking at Seth and I just could not remember. <laughs> Why can't I remember when you were born? <laughs> you weren't there, Tammy. <laughs> did you forget that? I did. Isn't that neat, though? It's so cool. That's great. Well, and he asked, how was it when I was born, Mom? <laughs> we looked at each other for a few seconds and, oh, yeah. yeah so you think of that, though. That's You are your mom. I am mom for him. It's beautiful. And, and I am so grateful. That's, He's think of to that. me. That's the old, but that's the earned award, right? We right. earned that. You guys earned that. That's not, that didn't come because of any, any one event. Sure. It was and accumulation. It, it didn't come the day after we were married no. either. It took time. And I like that it you said time. four years. If you're doing a good if job. You're, if you're working on it. It took us about five. Yeah. But I think it took us about seven. Well, right. well, half of you, if it was Tammy, it would have been done a lot earlier. That's right. <laughs> Jeff, what have you been doing? You lazy bum. He just had so many more children for right. me. Right. Yeah, statistically, he had a lot more work to do. And actually, when you go to the grandchildren, too, uh, Tammy has really taken the effort to be a grandma. Because See, that's it. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. She is the only grandma that any of them can remember. And so, for example, one thing she does whenever a, ba- a grandbaby is born, she makes a quilt mm. for them and put their name on it and goes out and helps for a couple of days and uh, really blurs the distinction. It's She's not a step-grandmother. Yeah, right. She is a true grandmother. True blue grandma. And she doesn't look like a grandma. No. She looks like a 30-year-old. <laughs> wow. Thanks. 30-year-old grandma with 21 grandchildren. Good job, Started Jeff. Started young. <laughs> you married right. <laughs> But um, two, I think it's really powerful because those 21 grandkids, you were on their birthday. You were there when they were born. I mean, they were. Most of them. Most of them. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, you have this – you now have this history, this heritage that you're going to hand down. Mm -hmm. There's the hope of it, isn't there? That's the hope. Yeah. Children are a heritage to the Lord and I just feel so blessed. You know that – 
your quiver's full with your yeah. number of children and grandchildren. And well, and you ha- you started with four. I started with four, and you have twelve and twenty one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yours, you know, the synergy that's taking place is that it's exponential. That's the benefit of doing this. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's got to be good for the kids to have so much support from your family, your family extendeds. Mm-hmm. That's that is the benefit of a blended family. Yes, there's a lot more people to love. But it's a lot of work, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, good. We're going to take a break. Come back. We're going to continue talking with the Hills, Jeff and Tammy. And let's just be real. Uh, it's it's pretty much up to Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've just concluded that. <laughs> Jeff's just along for the ride. <laughs> Jeff, you're the researcher, man. Pull out some research. We'll take a break. We'll come back with the Hills. Continue our discussion about blended families. I hope you're feeling the spirit of it, folks. You know, sometimes life doesn't work out exactly as you planned, but it doesn't mean that you can't change things and make beauty come out of some of these difficult situations. We'll take a break. More tools, more ideas up next after this break on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the house, Jeff and Tammy Hill are here. Tammy is a LMFT, licensed marriage family therapist, and Jeff is a researcher and a a professor here at Brigham Young University in the marriage and family studies area. Is that right? That is correct. And uh, so Jeff's the researcher, and (laughs) poor Tammy. Tammy is on feet on the ground, saving marriages, trying to help them. Also, one of her specialties is creating a, a better sexual intimacy and handling sexual issues in marriage. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge issue. Um, Jeff, we're talking about blended families. And if somebody's out there, you know, getting they're all in love, chemistry's high. They know this person's amazing. And they're about to blend, let's say, two kids from each family, four, four kids and a family, what should they be thinking? They should be thinking that their marriage isn't just about them, but it's about the kids. I think that when, uh, for example, you're dating yeah. and it could lead to a blended family, I think it's good to keep your kids at arm's length. Mm-hmm. I do too. Don't you? Keep them out of the game for a while right. till you are some, till you're further down the road. So sure. when you've decided that you're right for each other, yeah. then you have to realize it's this two-step process. Is the family right for each other? Oh. And so take the time because if the family's not right for each other, yeah. you're going to have a long road. That's right. When we were uh, dating, we decided to uh, to test things out with the family and I, I invited her to go backpacking with my children. Oh, boy. <laughs> and she said, is this going to be parent trap too? <laughs> <laughs> Are we going on cliffs? Or will there be cliffs on the walk? <laughs> but, uh, but my teenage daughters, who hadn't really been thrilled about me dating yeah, yeah, again, yeah. shared a tent with her. And, really? We did. And uh, wow. I, could, I was in another tent. I could hear them talking, but not what they were saying. And they were laughing. And it made me mad. So I took an Ambien and went to sleep. <laughs> I'm out of here. And then eight hours later, I woke up. They were still talking. They talked the whole night. I said, what did you talk about? They said, what's said in the tent stays in That's the tent. That's right. It's like Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> that is the see, you, um, you were earning it. 
I was. That was early on, you know, after we were married, those same teenage daughters weren't happy to have me there. Oh, sure. And weren't happy to have my kids there. Well, and there's a weird competition. Right. 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 Well, they like the freedom of just having a single dad that was overwhelmed at everything. Right. They could do yeah, they whatever ran they the, wanted. Yeah, they right. ran the house. But now they had a mom that wouldn't let them do everything <laughs> they want. <laughs> it's really true, though, isn't it? I love that idea that we shouldn't, like, involve the kids too early. Right. Is there a, is there a certain um, a sign? I mean, I guess if we're talking marriage, it's probably time we... That's right. When you're, <laughs> when you're considering marriage, let's see if the family is... Yeah. But what, what happens do. if the family... Like, because sometimes you might just have a really, truly, strongly insecure daughter that you know is just going to battle this, or, and maybe will battle the other sibling that's near her age, and... Mm-hmm. Do you just back out? I guess you could just back out. If the family's not a right fit, maybe you love them enough to not do it. Yeah, I I really believe as a, that you need to have some type of divine revelation yeah. that this is what you should be doing. Yeah. Get or some don't, witness don't from do God it. or a higher power. Huh? It's harder. Blending this family has been more difficult than anything else I've done, including well, burying my husband. Really? Yes. It's only the second most difficult thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> it, wow. it, and and I, I, yeah, I adore. Yeah, you have it easier though, I think, <laughs> if you it's really look at it. It's nothing to do with I Jeff. Yeah. I love Jeff. No. It is this massive family that I'm the mother of now. and um, But that's, that's so poignant because that's coming from skilled, intentional it's people. intentional, yes. And that you, you're, it's not like you, you're, you're skilled. You guys have tools. You right. know you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of theory and ability to do this. So it must it's it must be so much harder for those that don't have some of the tools, or maybe they're just it's more they're more naive to it. Like, man, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I think it's hard for everyone. I do too. I just do. But some of the things that are most worthwhile are the things that are difficult. For sure. Darn and it. so, if you have that rock solid confirmation and you stick with it, when the wolves come, instead of running, we stay. You beat them off. That's right. Beat them off, and you you get bloodied and everything, but. But then it's worth it. At the end of the day, it's worth it. And what you've taught your children, too, I think is essential. That So it's not always about people. Like It's about tools and learning and making something work. It's right. working something. Right. Instead of, we always talk about someone finding their perfect partner, and it doesn't happen, especially necess- in second marriage, it seems even less likely. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you've got to put up with a lot. It's not right. even about you two. And trying to develop a relationship, you know, you can have all the love that you want right. for us for stepchildren. Yeah, but then to develop that, it's a it's a real challenge, and trying to find a way to develop a relationship. Jeff I, is so I can just jump in because he's so amazing at that. Our my youngest son Cameron has not been warm or fuzzy <laughs> at all. Still, even still sometimes, day, but, yeah. but he really respects Jeff. Yeah, and. Um, Early on in the marriage, he was Jeff was trying to do anything he could to connect with Cam, yeah. and one time he asked him everything he bid out. Cam would turn him down. No, no, no. <laughs> and one thing Cam likes to do is earn money. And Jeff asked him if he could hire him to be his personal trainer. <laughs> because I thought, you know, what does he like to do at me? He oh, likes to yell at me. Yeah. That's what Perfect. he likes to do. Perfect. What's, a, what's an appropriate way for him to yell at me is to be his. Right. So I said, would you like to be my trainer? And he said, how much would you pay me? And I said, <laughs> how about $5 for 30 minutes? That was a lot of money for 11th. 
11 year old yeah. and he did it so he said get down there dad give me 50 push ups and it was, kind it of was a, st- a wonderful creative way to connect. well and now look at you you're ripped <laughs> you're in great shape he, he is <laughs> but see, that's we were talking about this a little bit off the air that sometimes it's the strengths right. you have to go with your strengths don't mm-hmm. you As, so you're not here to replace another and that, I guess, is looming if if there's an ex husband that's picking them up every day. I think or, that's a lot. It's right. It's kind of they're right always looming face. right over mm-hmm. you, right? Mm-hmm. Or even if they've passed away, you're not to replace yeah. them. You can never be. And the, and some of us, when we remarry, why we're a little insecure yeah. about the former husband mm-hmm. or, or whatever wife. or wife, and just realize we have our own strengths. Yeah, that's right. And that other the other. Spouse had their strengths, and that's okay. It's competition. It's like there's always this competition, isn't there? Is that the human nature side of us, or is it the children that don't know how to? Mm-hmm. They've dichotomized it. Either right. you're good or bad. It's A or B. It's mm-hmm. not D. I don't. I don't know what it all is, but I do know for my own self, yeah. I choose to be insecure when I'm feeling threatened or anything. I, if I sit down and analyze it, it's because I'm letting myself feel insecure in this situation. Jeff's late wife loved having a lot of family around for long periods of time. I don't. Yeah. Move on. Next. Yeah. (laughs) See ya. Thanks for being with us. One day, right? That's right. (laughs) But I, so in those moments when they're all here and there is chaos with everything and everyone, I really do find myself slipping into my own insecurity. Then I have to stop and say, wait a minute, you know, I'm a different person. I have other strengths and and I'm good. I'm enough. Because then – and they're in their insecurity. So when you're in your insecurity and the, and you're fighting someone else in an insecurity, mm-hmm. especially like an eight-year-old, <laughs> you're, you're doomed. Right. You're doomed. Talk about um, what what else should we know as people that are out there about ready to do it or, or that are in the midst of it? What are some other rules you'd suggest? What other ideas should they be watching out for? I certainly think – Remarital counseling is a must. I agree. I I see people over and over again get into situations that they have no skills to handle. And you don't have to wait till it's all hitting the fan. Right. You, I mean, premarital, like if you're about to blend a family, be real. Go get skills, tools to right. do it. Right. I think that's important. Um, I We haven't even mentioned finances, but oh, yeah. <clears throat> premarital, um, prenuptial agreements, yeah. they're Hugely important, isn't that? And that's a lot of tension there, and a lot mm-hmm. of insecurity there. Mm-hmm. It just will take away a lot of stress later on. Yeah, I think it's really key for the couple to focus on their marriage too. That should be the strength yeah. of the blended family. So, uh, sure. Tammy and I have often will take off and you know be You're go off for yeah. two or three days just to rebuild, re-strengthen. Our marriage, because that's the heart. If if the marriage isn't strong, why well, your blended family yeah. doesn't have a chance. That's crazy. So how that goes is how everything happens, right? That's yeah. going to make or break you. Well, um, let's do this. Give us one. Give us one thing. The one thing we should all remember when it comes to blending families. We'll give you each a shot. What's the one thing anybody should remember? You'll first. Okay. Yeah. I would say T T T. Things take time. I love that. Develop patience with yourself, with your spouse, with the children that you're blinding. Things take time. And expect it for you. I mean, that's a cool expectation. Four to five years, 
then you'll know you're on the track, and then seven years in, you'll have it. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Tammy? I just believe in communicating directly with the people. Um, if I'm having a problem with someone, I should come to that person and come from an I position. You yeah. know, instead I'm of, not going to go to Jeff, Jeff. Go in between, right? That triangle never works. the water. No, exactly. And you learn that as a therapist. Yes. <laughs> go right to the, what do you do? What do you do if they keep running away? Give it time. Yeah. Give and, them space. And when anything comes to me yeah. about a complaint with someone else yeah. and with 12 children, you can imagine how oh, that might sure. happen. I really direct them to the person. It's beautiful. You know, go talk to them about it. I appreciate you sharing that with me, but it's they're great. the one you need to tell. Well, I think you're inspiring. I mean, that's... Thank you. And keep it up. Eight more years, you'll almost be there. <laughs> we'll be empty nesters. <laughs> you will. You'll be empty nesters. Thank you again. Again, um, Jeff and Tammy Hill, uh, is there a way to get a hold of you guys if somebody wants to reach you? An easy way? You bet. I'm at the Marriage Clinic of Utah. That's online. You can Just Marriage Google. Clinic of Utah. I'm at BYU, Jeff underscore Hill at BYU.edu. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, Matt. Very, you. very powerful. Guys, there's hope, for heaven's sake. Seriously, there's hope. Don't give up. Just, you know, get on it. Things take time. Great lessons. We're going to take a break. We'll be back after this break. More ideas, more tools on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. And today, my friends, we are talking about uh, blended families. Just had some wonderful guests on Jeff and Tammy Hill uh, in the first hour teaching us um, just, by the way, with really great credentials. You know, if you're going to blend a family, it would be great to have one of you with a Ph.D. and two master's degrees. You know, that's good. Uh, in the field of human and human uh, development and families, and then the other to be a licensed marriage family therapist. So if you want some advice about blending families, go get seriously educated. Okay. <laughs> that's a, that's a I don't really want no good, more edumacation. Uh, but, you know, they it's just a really cool spirit. And in my business, I get to see people divorce. It's unfortunate. Lot. And it's... You know, it's sad because about a third of the people that come and see me um, are on the verge of divorce. But we have really good success at helping them learn skills and tools to kind of turn it around. But if they don't, um, they, sometimes we wait too long. And then so, it, well, is it better for somebody to work through it and and not divorce, or well, is it, or does it depend on the depend on the situation? So it's interesting because some of the research out there shows that the majority of the divorces that are filed are actually not warranted statistically. Statistically, mm-hmm. and they probably won't be justified by the decision. You won't be happier leaving. Oh, I see. So some some divorces obviously need to be there. Abuse, right? Mental, you know, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Multiple infidelities, and the research actually shows a lot of those then are warranted, and it's better. And but the irony is, a lot of us are just divorcing, kind of, just as a choice. Interesting. And our assumption is, it'll get better. I call that the greener pasture. And so, what I always teach is, if you if there's no will, 
to save it. There's no way to save it. So okay. that some of us lose the will and we're not losing it because it's going to be best for us. We lose it because we've already moved on. We've already, we've already moved on and found something else either to love, and it may either be another person we're ready to leave this one for. But a lot of times it's just a concept that I deserve better. Hmm. The problem with it is, as we're, as we're learning, and part of blended families is how you divorce. So how you divorce will determine how you're going to move on. Whether it's amicable or not. That's right. Mean? So okay. if, we, if we fight all the way out of the marriage – you're moving on to the next relationship is going to be impacted. Hmm. If we shredded the relationship with our ex as we were divorcing them, it's going to that those shreds are going to come back to haunt you in the next relationship. Ooh, okay. You don't just cuz you divorce somebody doesn't mean you end the relationship. So especially and, if there's kids involved. Well, think of this too. Anybody can think back to high school. Think of somebody that really hurt you back in high school. Mm-hmm. That bugged you that hurt you, you can still think of that person and have a feeling about it, and it still hurts, which means just because you're divorced of them, you haven't seen them, they're still impacting you. Now imagine somebody you were married to that knows all your dirt. So let me give you a few rules that I use with my clients about how – if if you're really thinking of moving on, here's some things to get your house in order, really. Before you bail out, here's some things. Slow down. Some of the research shows that 66% of the people who divorced wish that they had had, they and their spouse had tried harder to work through the differences. So 66% of the people who divorce wish they had done more before they divorced. Why, yep. why, why wish it? Try it. I know. Exactly. But the problem with it is, is that we're already done and we're already in the greener pasture. And, and I can't – and, and we think yeah. we've tried everything because we've been to a counselor and – and we talked to our church leader and they didn't – nobody knew. And anyway, we're done. So slow down. And the research actually shows that if you'll slow down for five years, if you did nothing on your marriage but just slowed it down, mm-hmm. you would rate your marriage as happier to exceedingly happy in just five years doing nothing. So sometimes we think you have to have a lot of changes. But the crazy thing about life is life is going to change. So if you'll just slow down and you take a little bit longer to divorce, life has the chance to change. Some kids will grow up. Some will get more mature. Some will move out. Some things will change. You might get a better job. Yeah. So rule number one, slow down. Rule number two, get help that produces results. A lot of people end up talking about the fact that they need help. They get help. but And then they've gotten their help. So that didn't work because the help didn't help. Does that make sense? Well, but maybe, and maybe another person has a different – That's right. You know, way of helping. That's right. So don't just think you need to get a counselor. You've got to get a counselor that gets some results. So counselors to me are like artists and they're not all not all artists are the same. So you've got to make sure you're not just getting a human being that can sit in a seat that you can pay and try to improve your marriage. You need to keep looking and finding until you either get one that gives you enough insight about you to do stuff different or with your marriage to do something different. But it's it's more about results than it is about getting people. Does that make sense? Yep. Because a lot of times we just kind of throw it up there. Well, yeah, we tried. But if you ask them, most people, by the way, get marriage counseling twice and then they get another counselor. Twice and they get another counselor. Hmm. So the first time I tell you something, second time I tell you what you don't want to hear, third time you're not coming back. Let's try it again. So we just keep rotating counselors. That's not how we do it. We've is that a lot to. of the case though that people people just they get information that they don't want to? Oh yeah, they're, we're shopping. Even though even though that is you know 
That's right. The reality. That I, I personally believe that you ought to make sure you get skills because no matter what happens, it's one thing to go sit and talk. And what ends up happening in a lot of therapy sessions is one beats up another. They beat them back and it's a beat down and everyone just is fighting about whatever. And it's a pretty selfish sort of thing. But though. in the end, if I have to move on and we have to divorce, I need to have the skills to know how to talk to you. So I would I would make sure, too, you're learning how mm-hmm. to talk. You're just not learning how to talk through a therapist. Make sure you two – make sure you're going to a therapist that turns you to each other and forces you two to do the talking. The therapist can be there to kind of mediate, but in the end, you'll need the skills no matter what happens. Skills well, are going with you. At some point, you've got to leave the therapist behind. That's right. And by the way, if you're in a system or a process – where you have to have somebody for a really long time. I mean, my my goal usually is to get people done with me, but get them so skilled and tooled. They know that, that it worked. They learned the tools. Now go use your skills to talk to each other. You shouldn't need somebody forever as a counselor. Now, by the way, some people do need somebody for years because they have to really process a lot of stuff. But eventually your goal should be to be out on your own. Another rule I use is own 100% of your problem. You don't need to own – No, yeah. no. But the irony of no. it is, is – so whenever anybody comes to me, I don't care if it's 90 percent your husband's fault, whatever he did. It could be 90 percent his fault. 10 percent of it's yours and I need you to own 100 percent of, of that, that 10 percent. Yeah. But I always – everyone always says, yeah, I mean I know I'm partially to blame. Everyone tells me that and I love this. The minute they tell me that, I'm always like, OK, so what part are you? So tell me exactly what part of this bad cycle are you? And almost – seriously, invariably, they don't know. They don't know. They don't know. I'm I mean, at fault, but I have no idea what yeah, I'm at fault about. But they think they do. So I want to know exactly what you are at fault for because you might be part of the codependent relationship sure. or you might be part of it as – you just might be reactive. So I want you to own 100 percent of your problems because if you don't, guess what? You're not going to go build a blended family not knowing what you contributed, right? So um, number – by the way, especially some things to remember. Why you're to blame no matter what for some part of it is because remember that you chose your partner and you thought that that was a solid choice. OK? So that was your problem. You chose that. Nuh-uh, my mom made me marry him. You convinced everyone else in your world that it was a good idea years ago. Mm-hmm. You have responded or not responded to your partner. You may have ignored, avoided, argued, ridiculed your partner. You left the feelings of inferiority. Um, you felt the feelings, sorry, of inferiority. You're the one that felt your emotional pain. You're the one that may have shut down your voice. There's a lot of stuff we all do that contributes to this kind of messed up relationship approach. Um, another one is make sure you learn some skills before you're done. Get your house in order before you divorce because physically, make sure you're physically strong in the best shape you can be in, mentally strong, getting the therapy you need, spiritually strong, connected to your God, in tune, understanding you have a spiritual network around you, socially connected, friends, family, a network of people, emotionally, make sure you're balanced and together, financially, understand your finances, understand how to make money because if you don't do all of that, you are going to remain dependent. Well, yeah. If you if you've done nothing but let your husband do the taxes yeah. for every year that you've been married, and you have no idea how to do That's your right. taxes, and then all of a sudden you split up. That's right. Uh, how I mean. Well, then all of a sudden, so so if think of that. If I'm dependent socially because I don't have any friends, mm-hmm. emotionally because I blame my husband for all of my moods or my wife for all of my moods, financially and spiritually, if I'm dependent in all of those areas, how do I go move on like the hills and build a blended family? 
Right. Who do I choose? Well, and even even more so on that, if you're not independent in all of those fields, how on earth can you guarantee that you're making the right decision? Exactly, you can't. You know, because you, know, you have you like can't. halt, you That's know, right. the hungry, yeah. uh, um, angry um, – Sorry. Yeah. Lonely uh, and tired. Yeah. yeah. That type of thing. If you if you're not independent, then there's no way you can be like, "Oh yeah, this divorce is the best decision for right. me." Because, you know, you're Which is why we end up regretting them later because exactly. we made them when we were dependent. Exactly. So and, and you may not be able to be perfectly independent, but if you don't have money or a job, you better have a plan. Yeah. And you better know how you're going to get the money and the schooling and get get what you need done. So again, there are some basic rules before you pull the trigger. Get some stuff in order. Now, again, there are – I truly believe there are reasons that are even healthy for people to divorce. And it does – and it does – it's healthy. The problem is um, you have to be healthy for it to be healthy. Otherwise – People don't think of it that way though. So what – everyone's in a big hurry to get it done and then Mm -hmm. they – then the healing will begin. Yeah. What I always suggest is let's get the healing going then – Let's get the divorce done. Anyway, that's if you have to bail. Again, if you want more information on that, just go to my website, matt at matttownsend.com. Let's take a break. Guess who's in the house? Dr. P. P.J. Paul Diddy Jenkins. I don't know. That's his rap name. Dr. Paul. He'll be wa- he'll I don't be think he's his, rapping here today. I don't think he's rapping. I think he's, he's, he's got a sore throat. Unless you have a gift that needs to be, you no, know. He can rap that. Uh, We'll be back, folks, continuing our discussion about uh, building blended families in a healthy way. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the house, Dr. Paul, a.k.a. P. Dr. P. Diddy, a.k.a. Dr. P. J., the author of Pathological Positivity. That's the book's right. out. You're done. It's out. The last time we had you on the show, you were you were here in studio, and we were doing a remote. That's right. So, But you brought the book over. And Good I book. trekked across campus you, to find you, Matt, so you did it. I could put it in your hot little hand. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> that, You're uh, welcome. It's, it's hard to get a book out. It was a three-year project. Yeah. Does it feel like a child? Did you name it? I named it Pathological Positivity. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> but I have a greater appreciation for you now. It's hard, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I have a but, bunch of books white-papered to write, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm psyched out to write them now. It's hard. Well, it's kind of like giving birth. How do you Not know? that I would know for sure. <laughs> but it, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah. I passed a kidney stone, and so I like uh, to use that metaphor. Yeah. It's like passing a kidney stone. I haven't done that yet. But my kidney stone, uh, my book looked a lot better than my kidney stone. Yes. Did, I named my kidney stone. Nice. His name is Chip. <laughs> and I keep him at the house, and I pull him out whenever yes. I have a lull in the party. You need help. Hey, uh, Dr. Paul, we're talking today about blended families. Mm. Now, you, you're you a big deal because you are a clinical psychologist, PhD. Yes. You have a lot of people that come around and just are begging you to help fix their partner. Uh, that has happened, yeah. <laughs> Do you um, – what what have you got for us about blending families? By the way, you're a dad mm. yourself. you got a great mm-hmm. wife. And how many kids? Four. 
Four kidlets. And one grandchild since we talked last. That's right. You're getting old. She is three weeks old. Talk about your pants ripping in the chair here. (laughs) Speaking of old. I I cruise into the studio here. I hop up onto the chair and rip. Rip his pants ripped. And we're grateful that this is radio. And it's not not because of – it's not like you're overweight. Well, your pants ripped because they got hooked on – the arm I hooked of the it chair. on the arm of the chair, and well, now the wind's blowing, went. and times are great. Yeah, it's very nicely ventilated. <laughs> so, talk to us about uh, what are some things. What do you think? What do you think we should be doing as mm. we're merging families, or if we're in the middle of just conflict mm. in a blended family? You know, I was I was listening into the conversation earlier, and there are principles that determine the outcomes. Right. Oh, yeah. When when I see a couple and it's clear to me that they're contemplating this decision. Are we going to stay together? Are we going to divorce? Yeah. What's going on here? And this this is kind of a lead into how what this has to do with step families Great. or blended families. They they have it, it's like you're on a path, okay? A path to what? Well, happiness is not what everybody's yeah. after. So we get married because we think that's going to lead to happiness, and here we are just. Marching along this path, and then suddenly, boom, some giant appears in our path, blocking the way, you know, some big bullying thing, whatever that giant is. It could be an economic problem, a health problem, whatever. Right. And it's blocking our path and saying, none shall pass. So what are we going to do? Well, we take a detour around the giant. Somehow you got to get past this giant to get back on the path to happiness. Or you call right? in a bigger giant to take on the giant. <laughs> There's always a bigger fish. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but we want to get around it, right? Get away from it. Either we, a lot of us just run right. away. So picture these two paths going, you know, the the detour paths around yeah. the giant, staying together, which isn't going to be easy because we got to deal with all the issues that yeah. came with the giant. Had a couple in my office today. Infidelity. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Oh boy. You mean today? So big old giant. Right. Right. How are we going to get around this? Are we going to do it together, staying married? Are we going to do it apart, divorcing? Hmm. Okay. And they see that they have this choice. So the first thing that I try to help couples see in my office is you're not at the intersection. You're, You're approaching it. Oh, interesting. You aren't. You don't have to make the decision. You're not to not the decision right point right now. Right. They feel like they are. Yeah. And that creates urgency. Right. Well, guess what happens to our brain chemistry when we feel urgency? Yeah, then we, do, then we, the, we lose the blood in our brain. We start turning into a reactive yeah, person. Yeah, exactly. So we don't make the best decisions that we possibly could. No, but, but what if so, – because some people I could hear saying, oh, Dr. P, we are at the point. I was uh, at the oh, point yeah. two weeks ago. They fully believe that they are. Two months ago, two years ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but obviously they're not. they're not. Or they would be eaten by the okay. giant by now. Because right now yeah. is not that time. Right. But you see that it's coming. So just put that little image in your mind. Okay, it's coming. Now I'm going to go that way or this way. What are the principles that would allow me to be successful going either way? You know, one way or the other. Yeah. So we do a little diligence on that. I have nine principles that I like to emphasize with my clients. Is this in the book? No, that's a whole other book that's not even written yet. you got to just do the book you've written. (laughs) That's true, though. So the principles that would get you that you're going to need either way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the point that I make because successful marriages 
are established and maintained on certain principles. That's right. Now, when those principles are followed, you've pretty much got a guarantee. And these are principles like respect. Yeah. Compassion. Love. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Right? These are great things. What if we could all implement those in our marriages, then we could stay married. Well, you, we? you know, what's so weird, though, is those are probably, interestingly, the same principles you need for a healthy divorce. That's exactly the point we come to. And there's there's at least two kinds of divorces, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pretty good ones or pretty nasty yeah. ones. And most people go into divorce with an expectation that it's going to be nasty. Right. The best divorces I know, Matt, yeah. and that's weird language. No, I know, but I but see them. Follow the same principles. That's right. What if you could have a divorce that's characterized by compassion, forgiveness, respect, love? Well, and, and then all of a sudden, I don't have to be angry because so a right. lot of times we're angry because I hate you. Right. And we think the anger is my is you. That's your problem. You made me hate you. I didn't want right. to hate it's not you. Me. I didn't have a choice here. <laughs> but my problem is my problem is hate, mm. and my hate is because it's mine. That's mine. That's mine to fix. And that festers and boils inside of you until it just eats you away. But I've you've seen people divorce that in a way that I mean I've seen somebody who was married to a drug addict, and in the end, and even with a prompting, it was I got to let you go. Mm. But I'm going to do it with love, and I'm going to do it with compassion, and I'm going to let you go. And it was honestly, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like, it was pure love. And the person had to hit the bottom. You know, we've done ourselves a disservice, I think. And and, and you've heard this. You probably even said it or, or talked about it with your clients that divorce isn't an option. Yeah. Okay. Well, obviously it is. Obviously it's it's there. So what if we were to consider it more as a choice instead of I had no choice? Yeah. yeah. Then we don't have to vilify someone. We can take full responsibility for That's our great. part of it. Yeah. Okay, now what does that have to do with a blended family? Hold on. You got to save that. So that's a good tease. Yeah. Dr. P. Diddy just gave us a really good tease. What do these principles, what do these choices have to do with a blended family? We're going to let you know when we come back. We're going to take a break. Right here on the Matt Townsend Show. More with Dr. P. Diddy. We got to get you a better nickname. PJ sounds yeah, who's good. Who's going to come up with that anyway? It's your call your people. Have your people come yeah, like There it. you go. Dr. Paul Jenkins. By the way, go to his website, drpauljenkins.com. Check out his new book there. We'll be back. More, more wonderful insight from Dr. P. Diddy right here on the Matt Townsend Show. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about blending families, how you deal with, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you've gone through a divorce or if you've lost, lost your spouse and we're deciding to remarry, you know, it's a big deal. It's a big decision. So in on the show today, we've asked Dr. Paul Jenkins from drpauljenkins.com to come on. And by the way, he has a, a radio podcast called Live on Purpose Radio. You nailed it this time. Boom, cha. I knew that. 
That's it because you've been an illustrious guest on that's said right. show. That's exactly right. That is, by the way, it was a great experience. That, that was, was fun. That was fun to be on the show. And they can go, if they go to drpauljenkins.com, can they find my segment? And Yeah, just scroll down to the bottom of the page and it says there's a radio icon there. Yes, Click there on is. that one. It'll take you right over. This is great. That's TV. Well, there's the radio. TV is the YouTube channel. You're out of control. I know. You're into everything. You're like a six-year-old. Kind of. It's like a behavior yeah. problem. You're not the only one who tells me that. <laughs> hey, talk about uh, – you were talking about principles. So eventually yeah. we all have these you know, monsters we have to go around. You can mm-hmm. go around them by yourself or you and your marriage can say, we're going to go around this monster together. Right. And we're going to have certain principles we're going to live. Either way, we need the principles to get around the monster. Yeah, newsflash, monsters happen. Oh, yeah. Changing spouse does not change that principle. No. So something's going to come up. What right? if your spouse is your monster? <laughs> That's what I'm right. But the funny thing is, is, so get rid of the spouse, as we all think that'll take care of it. Right. But most of your problems, again, aren't going to just be your spouse. It's you I still my, don't have the principles. I tell my clients, yeah, you need a new marriage. Keep your spouse. Yeah. Get a new marriage. I love that. And it's it's a paradigm. It is. It's a, it's a shift where, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, what principles can we apply to make this better? Because here's the other news flash. The person that you take out of your old relationship, you take into your new relationship. That's right. Red rum. Mm-hmm. Red rum. That's murder backwards. <laughs> but see, that's Thank it. Because so if you don't that. get rid of those demons, if you don't get rid of – if you don't gain the principles – Mm-hmm. Or the skills, or the skills, or whatever it is. If you don't gain sure. them before you go, you still can't get around the dragon. You still can't get around the monster right. alone. So we think the monster is our partner, but a lot of times it's us. It's like you've maybe heard the joke about those two guys that are selling watermelons. No, they buy them for from the farmer for a dollar. Load up the truck, take them down to market, and sell them for a dollar. And they just don't seem to be making any headway. I wonder why. Finally, one brother says to the other, we need a bigger truck. Yeah. Well, that's not the problem. <laughs> yeah. We need more stands. We need more, yeah. I need a new spouse. See, that's it. Rearranging yeah, it's, chairs. It's the same kind of thinking. So the principles that will allow you to be successful are, are very well demonstrated. Right. Uh, they're researched. They're there. You can find them. Hard work, like you were saying, work, love, service, sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Some predictable principles that determine the outcome. So you apply those, you make a difference. Uh, You're familiar with Dr. John Gottman. Oh, yeah. He's He's been on the show. Amazing. Has he? Yeah. Excellent. Well, he's better material than me. Mordecai. John Mordecai <laughs> yeah. Gottman, I think is his name. Yeah, he's, he's just a delightful uh, Jewish guy up in uh, Washington, Washington I think, yeah. where he's based. But I heard him speak several years ago about the research he was doing, and he found that roughly 70% of all the problems in a relationship are unresolvable. Right. That freaks people out. But then he went on to say, and this is true, of miserable, highly conflicted, headed for divorce couples. Yeah. And... Healthy. It's true of healthy, well-adjusted, stable, satisfied couples. Yeah. There's no difference in the number of unresolvable problems. I mean, like, are we going to resolve family genetics that make your you have ADD? You may not resolve that. Yeah, probably not. Well, and these the problems, I think, are 
the research tag that was assigned to conflict. Mm-hmm. Conflict happens anytime you have differences. That's right. So different opinions, different preferences, different backgrounds, different genders. And because of those differences, we create some conflict. And that's going to happen anyway. And, and they're well, not resolved. Right. Think about it. It's the differences that make make us relevant and interesting to each other. That's right. That's the attractor. Yeah. Well, if you're exactly the same, one of you is unnecessary. <laughs> so My wife's been telling me that for years. <laughs> yeah. I'm unnecessary. Well, even so at the rude. level of gender, it's obvious that it's the differences right. that make us relevant and interesting to each other. So we're going to have conflict. It is a given. The question is, what principles will we apply to handle those conflicts? It's, if it's inevitable, then the only question is how. How you're going to handle it right. and with what principle? Which is a pretty darn good question. Don't you think you've taught us that? And and keep it a question, not a statement disguised as yeah. a question. Give us an example. Oh, how are we going to do this? That's not a yeah. question. How am I going to put up with you the rest of my life? Right. That's turn not it, the right question. Turn it back into a question. Yeah. How are we going to do this? And then get busy answering that question because there are principles that will allow you to get there. That's powerful. Because now you're operationalizing it. You're moving yeah. – to a solution for how to move together. See, you even said, I mean, if somebody says they get married they, and they, they're going to be married, they've already made the commitment to tackle the horrible monsters together. Well, they, they stand up and say they're going to do that in front of witnesses. And then one starts coming and we start saying, well, I wasn't expecting this monster. I really meant only for better. Yeah, that's right. And in health. That's right. And, in, and yeah, through thick and thin. They don't – like some people don't want you when you're thick. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a, see, the, I, the, we, we made the promise mm-hmm. and yet – so that's why I think you've already made the commitment to make it through the monsters together. One of the biggest risks I see with blended families comes from the mentality that they left the other relationship with. I think you're right. And it's if, the echo, isn't it, of the past? Yeah. Well, but it's also a mentality. I call it the victim mentality, and it has to do with blame. Anytime we blame, when that finger's pointed somewhere other than ourselves, yeah. anytime we blame, we put ourselves in a victim mentality, a victim role, role. really. And so so you get a new relationship started up, and this person is amazing and wonderful and totally different from that evil one that you left. Yeah. As long as you're still in the mentality of blaming in that old relationship, that will show up. Well, that's your, that's, your new one. That's how you deal with it. Right. That's, your mind's already known to go there, and it works. Just blame. Matt, I had a, a, a client who was— 35, I think, and on her seventh marriage. Wow. I mean, just wrap your head around that. Well, man, she needs a hobby. Well, and she I'm needs something else. Happy to report that else. she's happily married now. Is she good? Okay. And and that has maintained well, for about they a decade. Say seventh time's the charm. Is that what they say? That's what they say. I had missed that. Yeah. yeah. If the first six fell. But you know what really seven. turned it around for her what? was a realization about what the common factor was in all of these she's relationships. The <laughs> she figured out she's the common denominator. Well, she was busy thinking it was abusive men. That's, That's the right. common factor. Uh, sorry, That's honey. Right. That's interesting because the story, our mind can make up whatever story we need. Oh, yeah. And it's, We're apparently amazingly some of us, creative that way. And some of us, our minds don't even try to make up different stories. <laughs> it just uses the same story over and over and over again. That's easier. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it fits... 
Everything. And then we even predict. Yeah. So that I mean, it's interesting. At some point you think I'm not even going to get married again. Mm-hmm. But she never questioned even that thought, probably really too long. Not really. Because, yeah. Still waiting for that magic bullet, you know, for the. What, tell us what is the magic bullet? Like what mm-hmm. is what is the what's the key? The one thing that just always works. I think what it comes down to is personal responsibility. Oh, but that's see, that's so not attractive. Okay, try it again. Give me another <laughs> one. You want I, me to tell you something that pleases your ears? I know that's what that's what's funny about it is the minute you get into all personal responsibility. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, try something else. You know what? I taught a class once uh, here on campus for for Education Week. Yeah. On divorce. Oh, you did? Look at the class schedule. How many of those are there? Well, and how many attended? Well, we got a few people showing Six. up. Six. But I'm taking this particular yeah. stance on it, that personal responsibility and, and not getting into a victim mindset and stuff right. like that. Well, the people who showed up wanted me to say, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. It's that evil person who abused yeah. you all those years. I got fired. You, they, they fired they, you? Scathing reviews. Really? I mean, a few. A few oh, people sat man. down and took at least I'd an hour to, to write this thing out. And uh, I found out why they don't have many of those on the class schedule. That's right. Because personal responsibility, it it bites. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's like realizing, oh, my gosh, I'm where I am because I got my own hands on this steering wheel. That's right. But the bad news is also the good news because if your hands are on the wheel, what can we do now? Turn. And Change. what could we do with your next relationship as a result? So that's why you're doing it because there are people that are truly um, you know, taken advantage of, that are truly abused or harmed. And no you're, question so about it. You're not even saying there can't be real victims. You're just no. saying playing the victim won't suit you long term. I'm talking about victim in terms of a mindset and a paradigm. Yeah. Not a victim of crime or a victim of abuse. Yeah. It's really more of a, a victim way of seeing things. Mm-hmm. And these people don't see themselves as victims. I say these people. I mean me, too. Yeah, I mean, when we're in victim mode, we don't see ourselves as victims. Right. We see as victims. Yeah. Hear it, the difference? Those are your lenses. Right. Yeah. And whatever you're used to seeing looks normal to you. Mm-hmm. It's not because you're right. Right. You put on sunglasses, everything looks darker at first. Yeah, then you get used to it. Then you get used to it and everything looks normal. And you don't even remember you had your glasses on. Right. So you're saying don't so don't you don't want to have or carry the paradigm of being the victim. You want to have the paradigm of being an agent. You're an agent in your life, you're a choice yes. maker. So if you're yes. tired of being victimized, be an agent and choose a different play. And the kicker here is choice. The ultimate deception of that victim paradigm mm-hmm. is that there's not a choice. Yeah. You don't feel like you have a choice that's when right. you're in it, but that's a deception. That's right. And it's not a choice until you see it as a choice. See, that's what's so hard because some are so deeply in that paradigm, they mm-hmm. really can't get out of abuse. <sighs> they, I mean, they feel like they really don't know they're an agent. And they just keep right. being harmed. And we right. see that, the NFL, the whole NFL story. I mean, and it's – and then the patterns of abuse. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the shift. How how do we get people to do the shift? Yeah. And it's how do we get them to do it when it's – when they're so in it that they don't even know they need the shift? Is well, there a way that we can get others to shift? Well, you and I open practices and write books. Yeah, that's what we do. 
Because that's what we're all about, is getting people to see something from a different perspective. Yeah. And as soon as you see it as a choice, it becomes a choice and puts you in a position of power. But watch out, because it stings a little. Sure. It means that you're taking full personal responsibility for where you are. And I'm not saying that it's your fault. See, fault is a victim kind of a paradigm. It's, It's really more seeing your own hands on the wheel. And realizing that I do have some power here. I do have some choice here. Hmm. Thinking I mean, somebody, about your own thinking. Well, there's somebody know? out there think. I mean, there's somebody out there that's getting that, like, yeah, I need to turn the wheel. Mm-hmm. And then, so what do they do? What do they do if they, if they turn, if they know, if they're starting to see, I need to do something different. And yet, how do they know what to do? I think there are so many ways to open up new possibilities. But it it comes first with being open. See, we're really more invested in being right, right. than in being open. Yeah. And and we know that we're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. not that we think we're right. We know we're right. We know we're and, right. And so you have to be open to other options. I mean, yeah. maybe other people in your family have already been telling you, look, you need to do something. You need to do mm. something. Maybe other maybe you saw a story yeah. on television and you're like, That's my life. I, I think my dad told me the first time, hey, if one person tells you you're a horse, just ignore them. Yeah. If two people tell you you're a horse, you might want to go buy some hay. Yeah, get, get, start gathering data. <laughs> start looking for the bridle. The, the feedback's all around you That's if right. you're open to it. So true. And, and not taking offense by it, but saying, hey, wow, I'm getting feedback that I'm showing up this way for people. Yeah. What? could possibly be going on in my own thinking and behavior that could be giving them that. And don't buy the, don't buy the, I'm a loser. I mean, don't buy the stories that would naturally either get you sucked back in. Oh, sucks you right down into victim. Or, you know, victimize or, or um, blame. It's my fault. I knew it was my fault. I mean, part of it is just, just notice, start noticing your thinking. Mm. And that's hard because what would you notice it with? But think, your own thinking. Right. Think about your thinking. That's where coaching helps though. That's right. That really is. That's why listening to programs like this helps because it, it, just piques your awareness to another possibility. Consider it. Just be open to it. Oh, man. There it is. Dr. P. Diddy. Also known as Paul Jenkins. I feel like I need to kick into a rap or something. I know. It'd be cool. Maybe next time, work on a rap. I've got the plosive prosody. Oh, boy. Let's not go there. Yeah. That's what he has these alliterations <laughs> filled with popping peas. It's on the YouTube channel it if is. you want to take a look. Go look up. Go go look him up on just if you just did Paul Jenkins, Dr. Paul Jenkins on YouTube, you'd find Well, the quicker way is just go to drpauljenkins.com, click on the okay. TV thing and it'll take you there. You the man, yeah. well done. Appreciate you. It's good to be here, man. Keep it up. Make sure you don't rip your pants anymore or we're going to have an incident. Couldn't rip him much more. That's right. <laughs> We're going to take a break, folks. Be back to wrap up the show. Thanks for joining us again. Keep uh, keep looking for the good. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, friends, uh, to the final episode of the Matt Townsend Show. That's the hoedown music, which means it's time to start. What was that? No, that's the final. That's the hoedown. The final, ep- not episode, final segment of the show. 
Everyone's like, is the show over? We're done. Are we canceling the show? Are we out of a job? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not till tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow is the last show. Uh, No. We'll be back. Of course, we're not going anywhere. Here's the deal, though. We've talked a lot about blending families, uh, what to do, you know, before you make the big decision to divorce. But Merritt, one of our great researchers on the show that we've missed incredibly because she went away to play in California. (laughs) She's back. But you've been doing research on how to adjust to your parents-in-law. Well, yeah, because, well, here's the thing. Yeah. You, we've talked about blending families as in, like, step-families right. and things like that. But when you get married, basically you're blending two families. You yeah. become part of another person's family. Let's, hold on or, one sec. Let me just make sure. James, are you tracking? <laughs> Am I tracking? Will you focus? Because yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll... this is about you. This is... <laughs> I am taking this notes. This is your marriage. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so you or you enter into this new part of the family or you're bringing your spouse into this new, into your family right. and it can kind of be awkward because yeah. whenever, so I've, like when you bring somebody home, it's usually pretty weird. It's weird. And because you don't know how everybody's right. going to react. What if they don't like it? You feel it? very defensive of yeah. whoever you've brought and that feels weird. <laughs> On the other side of the spectrum, when somebody brings somebody home, it's also very That's strange. That's right. So like- I don't know. I think of all the times that my brother has brought girlfriends home and I think I, I just – you kind of bristle inside a little bit because you're like, well, do they really deserve this? That's you so know? And so Yeah. Are they good enough for my Yeah. Brother? So it gets kind of awkward. But when you're married, it's that, – that's the person they're kind of stuck with. And so you have to figure out how to work, work it out. So – but there are all these jokes and customs and traditions and mm-hmm. even kind of the family etiquette that people don't understand. They don't, yeah. If, for example, my in my family, we call each other dork all the time. Like dork. That is just kind of like this dork. endearing term yeah, in sure. our family. But to some other people, that could be really offensive. Well, they could think that you're saying that they're super dumb or something. No, it's – if you, if you actually – I had a guy come up because I use the word dork in a speech. Yeah. And he's like, do you even know what a dork is? And I'm like, no. <laughs> well, it's – it involves a goat. Oh. It's a goat body part. Oh, lovely. Anywho, <laughs> more than you'll ever need to know. But what's interesting – so you have a word that we throw out like, oh, you're such a dork. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're not offended. No, absolutely not. Your your future sister-in-law is like, like she, she just called me a dork. Yeah. <laughs> like that would so be So she goes off awkward. on you. Yeah. So yeah. wouldn't that be weird? That's interesting. So uh, Terry Orbich, who we have actually had on the show, she is a psychologist and research professor. And she did a – study following 373 couples who were newlyweds in 1986. Huh. And she asked these men and women to rate how close they felt to their in-laws on the scale and then they, they track their relationships over time. And so after 26 years, this was like wow. super that's long That's about study. how long I've been married. Yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Okay. Um, they asked the – they found that when a man reported having a close relationship with his wife's parents – the couple's risk of divorce cr- decreased by 20%. So when the husband was really into the in-laws, yeah. divorce statistics would drop. Yes. More likely they'd be together and make it work. Uh-huh. Okay? But get this. When women were close with their husband's parents, their risk of a d- divorce rose. Really? Yes. So I think for this is kind of just an example yeah. of where to set boundaries because you don't want to go too far into right. something – and then, you know, because I think women are probably more sensitive about that, trying to, you know, be part of that family, make sure this other person feels sure. good. And so sometimes that can lead to oversharing or let these people into your life yes. too much. 
So I think that's probably where that problem comes from. So I have so some like, men shouldn't women shouldn't get too close with their in-laws or you may lose your man. Yeah, because it comes it might become too intrusive. Interesting. So hmm. I have some different tips and ideas. Um, first of all, don't assume your family will love your spouse right away. That's right. Because as much as you love them and think they're amazing, there's a point in your life when you're, you haven't been living at home for right. who knows what, 10 you years, 10, 20 years. Right. And you've changed. You've had your own life experience separate from your family True. and you've become a new person. So the kinds of people that you like isn't – it's, it's not going to align. Plus, sometimes. they're not drinking the love potion that you are. No, absolutely so not. So your mother's like, no. Yeah, this is and not so, the and plus, you might know that person better. Some people take a long time to that's open right. up. So, just they might not love your spouse right away, and just that's okay. That's fine. You can deal with sure. it. Um, another one is get to know them, and don't limit this to just holidays when you see them. Yeah. Try to really get to know these people. Text them. Go out to lunch with your sisters-in-law. Move do in something. with your parents. Ooh, yeah, maybe not that far. That would be the too <laughs> yeah, far thing. Yeah. But just get to know them and get to know their kind of life experience, their personalities, so you can know how to deal with them in the future. Um, know your limits. Again, this is super important. You don't want to get too close because if you invite your I don't know parents-in-laws into your life too much, they might get too involved with your parenting right. style or how you're dealing Everything. with conflicts. Yeah. It is too intrusive. So know your limits and know how to say no. Um Again, ma- maintain a careful distance. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Just keep them at an arm's length. Um, and just because you have grandchildren, just because you have this family or a couple, doesn't mean the door is open all the time. Yeah. Um, keep things cordial. Always be polite. I mean, even if you're not getting along, even if you're frustrated, be polite. Be polite. Try not even you can to talk be about nice. these people behind That's their right. backs. Try to That's speak right. kindly about your in-laws. These are your, your in-laws. You have right. to – I mean, kindness – even just politeness. If we can even That's take right. away the kindness, just do politeness, it will help. They're not going away. What's um, one more? Give us one more. My last one would be put your relationship first. So your marriage is what's important. That's what you should be focusing That's on. Right. And so you don't want ever, even if you're having a rough time with your in-laws or this new family that you're in, what really matters is your relationship. So even if your spouse isn't getting along with your family, stand by your spouse. Stand by your man or woman. Yeah. If if yeah. you... Um, That's great advice. Yeah. So... Put it first, if they're getting too intrusive, make sure you're focusing on your relationship, not I, on bringing your other family in. And I always say, let your let the spouse talk to their parents. Let the spouse go, yeah. you know, kind of bridge that gap. Anyway, that is great, great advice, I think, for all of us. Well done again, Merritt. Thank you. Well, well done. Hey, quote for you from Art Linkletter. Things turn out best for the people who make the best out of the way things turn out. That was a little roundabout, but I wow. like it. Art Linkletter. Hey, tomorrow, folks, a best of show, the best of Matt Townsend. Again, we'll be back Monday with more tools, more ideas to help you find the good in the world. Thanks for being with us, and thanks for going on the journey with us. Again, take care. Have a great weekend.